0: In 2003, God pulled 15 people together with a unified vision to start a church. And since then, God has graciously multiplied those 15 people many times over. But now, more than a decade later, we're at another crossroads in our story, and it's time to unify that vision once again. Take Bob here. Bob is a regular churchgoer. He even tithes and volunteers. Not bad, right? But every time a mission trip gets brought up, Bob gets nervous. He couldn't possibly take the time off work. Here's the Parkers. They've been coming to Rolling Hills for a year or so, but haven't gotten involved. They keep meaning to join a small group, but they're just so busy. And here's Lucy and Chuck. They just got married and are still knee deep in student loans, so they don't think tithing is much of an option. Next Steps was started as a way to challenge each of us to start investing our time, gifts, and resources toward the unified vision God has for our church. Reaching out is all about serving people outside our walls, whether it's as a part of a Saturday Serve project, serving on a national or international mission trip, or as part of the core team for a new church plant. Growing up is taking that next step to mature in your faith. It could be through baptism, joining a small group for the first time, or serving as a volunteer, and of course joining us in Daily Steps, our church-wide daily Bible reading plan. With Giving All, we're asking that you take the first step toward tithing. There is so much that we can do as a church, in our community, and all around the world, but we can't do it without everyone taking part together. By taking your next steps, you're committing to Jesus and me. But when we all take a step forward with one unified vision, it becomes a movement of Jesus and me.
1: Well, good morning, church. What a great day. Great morning of worship. Great time being together. I'm so excited about what God's doing. Here among us. I just returned uh, last night from our mission trip to the Amazon, and we were there working with pastors from the jungle all along the Amazon. And we have a center there in uh, the middle of the Amazon, and so pastors come, and it, it's just incredible to see. And so, God is using you, church, to impact this part of the world. Uh, But it's, it's just awesome. And there were pastors there that we got to know and to meet. Uh, There's a pastor like Jung Zhu, who's right there. And and this guy, he lives about three days away from the conference. He's never been to anything like this in his life. He got a phone call. He said, yes, I want to go. I want to grow. I want to be a better pastor. He's a dad. He has six kids. He has two grandchildren, uh, one with Down syndrome, but he is the, you know, keeper of the village. So everybody comes to him for everything. And he's just like, nobody's ever helped me. I want to go. And uh, he asked how much it was. And they said, you know, we'll pay for you if you can get here. But a boat trip is 170 hay You know, so that's about $65 to take a boat from where his village is three days down the Amazon River to get to the conference. And uh, he said, I didn't have the money, so I prayed about it. And I just said, God, what should I do? And I prayed that morning and God told me to go fishing. And so I went fishing and that one day I caught enough fish and I went to the market that night and I sold it and I got 200 hay eyes. And he said, can you believe God gave me 30 extra hay eyes? And so I went and bought a boat ticket and here I am. I'm at the conference. And he's like, and it was just so excited to him. You know, I'm thinking like, you know, miracles when Jesus said, go get the fish and pull it out. You know, and it was like, these guys are living it, you know. And, and uh, I said, what have you learned? He goes, oh, it's just been incredible. I've learned so much. I can't wait to go back and to minister to the people my village and to take care of these kids and, and, and all the things that are happening. And I'm like, well, how are you getting back? And uh, he goes, I don't know. And I'm like, well, he goes, you know, it's another 170 hay eyes to get back and I only got 30, but God will provide and he's smiling from ear to ear and I'm thinking really? You know, he's like, God will provide, God will provide. He goes, oh, but it's five days to get back because, you know, you have to go upstream to get there and you're going against the current. And I'm like, wow, this kind of faith, just that God will provide. And God did provide, so thank you. So he has uh, he his 170 AIs and he's got his boat and he's still traveling trying to get back to his village. But I just thought, man, how incredible. And these people, they just don't have anything. I mean, they have nothing, right? They're borrowing clothes from their neighbors to come and to dress up and to be a part. And we gave out soap. And some of these pastors' wives said, thank you, we haven't had soap in a year. You know, and I'm like, wow. It's just so humbling to be there. You know, I go to the fridge and open up. I'm like... We're out of butter, really? I mean, come on, you know, and I think these people just don't have anything. And so just that humility of knowing that God is at work and God is moving and God is using you church to impact a part of the world. Uh, we went to different villages like uh, Terra Preta and worked with kids and we're there. Uh, we've also, you know, through you've been able to build schools, they take a school boat instead of a school bus, by the way, how cool is that on the Amazon? There's one of the schools that you've helped build uh, right there, uh, we have 15 schools in different villages throughout the Amazon. Amazon, and uh, God is using you to make a difference. And so I'm so excited because it fits perfect because we got in last night and we're talking today about reaching out. And so how awesome is that? But welcome to our series. We're in a series called Next Steps. And uh, you may remember this series if you were here a year ago, because we talked about taking next steps together and what that means for us as a church, as each person takes a next step of faith. And so last year at this time, we talked about the book of Ezra. And we walked through the book of Ezra and we saw how the the people of God back then were conquered by the Babylonians in 586 BC. They were taken off into captivity. And pretty much if you were you know, taken in captivity as a people, you were done, right? I mean, you had no chance, no hope. But then God in his sovereignty said, you're going to be in captivity for 70 years. And sure enough, if you go back and study world history, what happened? King of Persia comes in, the Persians conquer the Babylonians. And Cyrus, the king of Persia, issues a decree. Hey, you guys can go back to your home. And they took a step of faith to walk back and to rebuild the temple in their community. Second temple period. And it's amazing what God started to do there. And we just said, as a people, we wanna be on a journey with God, right? We wanna be on a journey with Him. And a journey of a thousand miles begins with what? One step. One step, just take a step of faith. Just trust, just go. And so we said in three areas, reaching out, growing up, giving all, we wanna do that. And last year was so amazing as people were accepting Christ and being baptized and people making commitments to follow. And this year we've said, hey, we're at the halfway point. We're going to March of 16, but you know what? It's not just Jesus and me, it's Jesus and we. And so we step forward together, we lock arms together because your obedience can make a difference and it does make a difference. But our obedience together through Christ makes an impact on the world. And we're part of a movement of God that God is at work in an incredible way. And so as we lock arms, as we step out, we're seeing God do what only God can do. And there's no place in the world that I'd rather be than right here with you and being on this journey together because God is alive and moving and it's exciting. And it reminds me of what God was doing in the first century in the early church and just that organic movement of God's spirit working through a group of people, ordinary people just like us, that God used in an extraordinary way. So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1, one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. Oh, it's so good. Acts chapter 1, New Testament, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Four Gospels tell the story of Jesus. And then you come into Acts and Acts is the it stands for the acts of the apostles and so we saw how jesus if you were here for our series new here new you and god was training jesus was training up these disciples and now we see as the multiplication happens as the disciples take what jesus was teaching them and begin to put it into practice so pick up here in acts chapter 1 verse 1 it says this in my former book now who's that that's luke luke is the writer the author of the book of Acts. So the Gospel of Luke is kind of part one, Acts part two, you know, the sequel, and uh, it is as good as the first. And so you got here in my former book, Theophilus. Now Theophilus, a lot of people believe that was a Roman official, somebody who wanted to know God. And so, you know, Luke was writing this, but Theophilus also means one who loves God. And so if you love God, if you're a lover of God, this, this is for you. So in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Now, if you underline, underline began because Luke's saying it's not done, right? It's not over. (laughs) Jesus is still at work. Jesus is still alive. Jesus is still moving until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. In fact, we know through scripture that Jesus, after his resurrection, after he conquered death, made a way for all of us, he appeared to over 500 people. 500 people. On one occasion, he was eating with them and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Now, what's the gift? The Holy Spirit, Right? Throughout the gospels, Jesus kept saying to them, hey, one greater than I will come, one greater than I will. And they're like, one greater than you, are you kidding? And what he was saying was the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And when you become a follower of Christ, God places his Holy Spirit within you. You know that, the counselor, your guide, you understand the prompting in your heart. Something's telling me that that's the power of the Holy Spirit. So he says, the Holy Spirit will come for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now remember, these disciples were still Jewish. In their mind, they're thinking, Oh, are you gonna overthrow the Romans and establish Israel to a place of prominence like they once were right under David, under Solomon? And Jesus is going, guys, it's so much bigger. <laughs> this is impacting the world. This is grace. This is redemption. This is hope for everybody. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority. And then look at verse eight. In fact, if you have a red letter Bible where, you know, puts in red the the letters, the sayings of Jesus, this would be red letter right here. In fact, this is the last red letter that we have until you get to the book of Revelation. So Jesus speaking right here, his last words, his last words to his disciples. Now, you know, I mean, let's think about this last words. If you just had one chance, one opportunity, you know, I mean, you're getting ready to, to go to heaven, you know, you're just going to say something that's pretty important, right? I mean, you're going to lay it out there if it's your last words. These are it. So you kind of dial in with me right here, verse 8. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You know, he pulls these disciples together and saying, I've poured into you, I've poured into you, I've poured into you. And now you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses. You, this kind of commissioning time. After he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. You know, you can go to like every major world leader and you can go visit their tomb. Not with Jesus, right? You can go to the tomb, it's empty. It, but Jesus, here he is on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples are standing there, and they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. They're like, what just happened here? You know, I mean? there he goes. I mean, Jesus ascends into heaven. They're standing there looking, and it says, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. And any time you see two men dressed in white, it's always angels, right? That they're there. So these two men stand beside them and they say, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And the angels come along and you, know, you can imagine the disciples are like, what do we do now? You know, we're just gonna stand here. I don't know where he went, but I'm just gonna stand here. And the, the angels come and say, hey, listen, You're not going to miss him. He's going to come back. The first time he came in humility as a baby, next time he comes, he's coming in all of his power and all of his glory. Nobody will miss him. Don't worry about that. Don't just stand here looking up. God's given you a commission. You go do it. You go live it. You go live it. And this call to reach out and you'll be my witnesses. Now, a lot of times we talk about you'll be my witnesses. You're kind of like, I don't know about that. You know, there's kind of a whole deal about talking to people about Jesus. Uh, I don't know, you kind of tense up a little bit. My faith is private, right? You know, that's kind of a lot of our fallback. my faith is private. I just, I just don't like to talk about my faith. I don't like to talk about my faith. But let me tell you this, let me tell you this. Christianity is a public faith. <laughs> Christianity is a public faith. Now, I don't think Jesus is calling all of us to go stand on the street corner and be street preachers, you know, or to hold up signs at, you know, football games or something like that, you know. He may call you, um, probably not, but, you know, he may. But, you know, what he is calling us to do is what? Be a witness. Be a witness. Now, what is a witness? Well, if you go to court, right, and you get called to the witness stand, what do you do? What do you say? You just say what you saw. You know, you just go, I saw the blue car run the red light and it hit the green car. And then the attorney comes up, they're cross examining you, and you're like, Can you tell me how that happened? You know, what I mean, you know, because, I mean, look, the physics behind this, right? Rate times time equals distance. And what about the friction? You're like, Hey, listen, listen, I don't know. I saw the blue car run the red light and it hit the green car. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a witness. That's all I got. You see, what Jesus called you to is not to be. God's defense attorney. (laughs) You you don't have to argue people into heaven. You you don't. That's God's work. God just says, you be a witness. You tell what happened. And we all have a story, don't we? We all have a story. That's what I love about God, because God works in our our lives in unique ways, and yet your story impacts somebody else's story. And all you do is just say, hey, I don't know how it all happened. I just know this. My life was spinning out of control. I mean, things were hard, and they were challenging in my marriage. Things were difficult. And somebody... Somebody just invited me to church. And I came and I listened and I heard this music and, I, and they were talking about the Bible and I went home and I found a Bible because I had a Bible at home, but I never read the Bible. And I started reading and, and God did something in my heart. And I can't explain it to you, but I just remember I get down on my knees and I prayed and I asked Jesus, to be the Lord of my life. And and my life is different. My life's not perfect, but I gotta tell you, there's a joy and there's a peace that has come. And and, and I love God and I love serving and and my life is forever changed. See, that's your story. And nobody can argue with your story. And people want to hear your story. People wanna know what's going on in your life. People are searching. People are searching. I read a story the other day about Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady just won the Super Bowl and, and yet he did a, Uh, interview with 60 Minutes a while back and and on the interview he said there's got to be more to life than winning Super Bowls there's got to be more to life than winning Super Bowls and isn't that true and we all know that there's more to life than winning Super Bowls because I mean, we don't even remember who won the Super Bowl you know, seven years ago. We don't even remember who won the you know, Olympics, you know, like you know, this event in the 1930s. We don't remember who won this event in the 1800s. We don't even remember who won the chariot races back in Rome. You know, There's always been these different things. We don't remember that, but what we do remember is when somebody's life has been impacted and their life impacts us. And somebody was a witness to you, weren't they? Somebody shared Jesus with you. And maybe it was a parent and they took you to church. Maybe it was a grandparent who they just prayed for you. They prayed like crazy and you just saw there was something different in their life. Maybe for you as a coworker, maybe for you as a neighbor, maybe for you as a pastor or as a youth pastor, it was somebody, but somebody loved you enough to say, you're important and I want you to know. I care about you. You're important to me. In fact, if you're here today and somebody invited you, you know, the reason they invited you is because they love you because they care about you. You're important to them, you're special to them. If you're a parent, listen, our number one responsibility, if you're a parent, you're a grandparent, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, our number one responsibility is to share the love of Christ at home, <laughs> to be a witness at home. And it starts with our kids. It, it starts with raising up a generation. You know, the Bible says this, train up a child in the way that she'll go. When they are old, they will not depart from it. And, and to love them and to teach them and to give them a spiritual foundation. I'm so thankful for my parents. I'm so thankful they brought me to church. I love church, I love to grow up to church. I love it and i love loving my kids. My kids get so excited about coming to church. I mean, they do, they can't wait, man. They love it and they're learning and they're growing. And we don't know what's gonna happen in their life. Man, I pray they walk with Jesus all their days. But I also know that, you know, college is coming and teenagers are coming. And I mean, I know there's gonna be temptations and challenges, but I know, I know, I know I wanna give them a foundation because I don't get this chance back. I just don't. And I want them to know what's important. And I want them to know Christ. I was reading a blog the other day by a basketball player. A guy in our church sent me this. His, his name was Marshall Henderson. He played at Ole Miss. And, and uh, you know, he was kind of the SEC public enemy number one. I mean, nobody liked this guy. He was a great basketball player, but he was obnoxious and everything else. And they won the SEC tournament. But I was reading his blog and he just started doing this blog. But he said, you know, after we won that, we were doing so well. And, and then I didn't get picked up by the NBA. And I ended up going over to Europe and I ended up going to the Middle East and I'm trying to play basketball over there. And he said, one night I'm in my hotel room and it just seemed like my world was crashing around me and I found my Bible. He said, my parents took me to church, you know, growing up. And he goes, and I started reading the gospel of John. He goes, I read it in one night. Right there in a hotel room in the Middle East, I just get down on my knees. and I'm just like, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. You're more important to me than basketball. And he goes, it was just amazing what God started doing in my life. He goes, then I get, I get to another team I'm playing in Iraq and there's another believer on the team. And, and I just said, wow. And then God was doing this and he goes, and, and I'm writing this down in a blog because he goes, I want you to know I'm not some super saint, but my life has changed. <laughs> my life is different. You know, that's what it is. It's just sharing the love of Christ. It's just being a witness. And we do that all the time. It's with our actions, it's with our words. Saint Francis once said, you know, preach and if necessary, use words. <laughs> Your whole life is a witness. Your whole life testifies to what you believe. I was checking out at Publix the other day and there's a Publix buyer house. And of course, I talked to everybody at Publix. I just, oh, yeah, dude, they're all the cashiers, I love them. They're all Nancy and Sherry and everybody, you know. So David's walking me to the car and David goes, hey, you know, Jeff, you ought to do a sermon about my former manager. I go, okay. He goes, you know, he goes to your church. And I said, oh, great. He goes to Rolling Hills? Yeah, he goes to Rolling Hills. And he goes, I gotta tell you, I know he's a Christian and he was the best manager I've ever had in my life. I was like, wow. (laughs) I love when people brag on you guys, by the way. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. But you see, I, I don't know how Michael, you know, was the manager at Publix, but I'll tell you this, Michael loved his people and he cared about them and somehow he was different. Somehow, some people saw in him, there's something different about you. And that's what God wants for us. See, our motivation that that is just simply love. Now, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And hey, the second commandment's like it, love your neighbors yourself, you just love people. When you love people, then people are gonna ask you, they're gonna say, hey, what's different about you? And when you have that opportunity, you just say, hey, I can tell you about sports all day long, or I can tell you about, you know, what's happening in the stock market, I can tell you about shopping, but I wanna tell you about what the most important person in the entire world, the person that will impact your life, that will change your life, that will give you hope, meaning, and purpose. I wanna just tell you about Jesus. I want to just share what God's done in my life. Now, here's here's how it works, right? You look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus kind of gave us this pattern. Here's the pattern. He starts off, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So it's when the Holy Spirit prompts you. You know, you don't have to go out and try to save everybody. I mean, that's God's job. God just says, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, then you be a witness. Some of you are sitting there like, yeah, I don't want to go to the Amazon, okay, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's cool for you, but I've heard that there's anacondas there, you know, I'm i like, like not into that, right, I got to tell you, didn't see an anaconda, did see a sloth, but you know, I didn't see, you know, but, but some of you maybe say, you know what, God's probably not calling you to go to the Amazon. Others of you, you're sitting there going, dude, I want to go to the Amazon, you know, I mean, you're just like, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. God may not call you to go, you know, to some other place, but I can tell you, God's calling all of us. To take a next step. God's calling all of us to reach out. And if it's not going to the Amazon, maybe it's just going across the street. (laughs) But the Holy Spirit will prompt you. Probably already this morning, the Holy Spirit's been putting somebody in your heart, your mind, right? Already, you you know, you're you're listening and you're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I need to start that with my kids. I need to start talking to them. You know, I, I have neighbors too. I, you know, Chuck and Casey live right next door. I don't even know them. I don't even know their story. Maybe I need to have them over for dinner. Probably already, you know, the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Maybe I do need to do a mission trip. I've never done that. I'm kind of scared. I'm scared to death, actually. But God, you've called me to be brave. You've called me to be brave, to step out. God will speak to you when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. And then he shows this kind of pattern here, right? What does he say? In Jerusalem, what's he telling the disciples? Start at home. <laughs> Start at home. The Jeru- in Jerusalem, that's where the disciples were. He just says, Start right here. The early church explodes in Jerusalem. I mean, we're going to see next week in Acts chapter 2. It's just unbelievable what God is doing there. Why? Because they just said, hey, I just want to tell. They just did this. They just invited people. Invite and invest. Invite people, you know, you see people, you just invite and invest. Just start at home. Jerusalem. Judea. Judea was the region, their community, you know, kind of the largest sphere. Samaria. (laughs) Now, Now, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans, okay? Different culture, kind of different language, different values, you know? But he's like, no, 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 even the Samaritans. And then, to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm sure when the disciples heard this, to the ends of the earth, they're like, to the ends of the earth, I mean, what? How are we gonna do that? We walk everywhere, what are you talking about? How are we we gonna do that? But you know what's cool? You guys, we live in a day and a time where you could be anywhere in the world in less than 24 hours. I mean, the Holy Spirit prompts you. You have this opportunity to engage in unbelievable. I mean, I, how crazy was it? Yesterday, we had a meeting in the morning. I'm in Manaus, Brazil. We got on a flight and I get home at like 11.10 last night, you know, and I'm back here and I mean, I'm mean, just like, wow. I mean, anywhere in the world. And this call of God just to say, hey, be involved. Take a next step. See, we don't have to do everything. We have to do something. <laughs> I have to do something. Where are you in this? Where are you in your journey? Here's why I love Oswald Chambers. Oswald Chambers, he has this great saying, right? He said, a Christian worker has to learn how to be God's man or woman of great worth and excellence in the midst of meager and worthless things. All of God's people are ordinary people who've been made extraordinary by the purpose he has given them. A man or woman has to learn to be God's person in the midst of meager and worthless things. And we live in a world where we get paralyzed by choices. We get paralyzed by all the things. Did you realize there's over 400 different types of potato chips out today? 400. How crazy is that? Have you ever walked down the cereal aisle? And I mean, people, you know, people just spend time. And you're like, I don't know, did I get the right cereal? I mean, how's that going to be? And then looking, and you freak out. And then what happens? You get to home, you get buyer's remorse. You're like, gosh, I got the other one, right? I mean, I was like, I can't believe that. I got this one, I got that one. I just, yeah. It's crazy, you know, it creates anxiety, doesn't it? We get caught up in all this meager and meaningless things. And the sad part is depression in the last 10 years is up over 400%, and I think a lot of it is just this anxiety. We invest our lives, and what Oswald Chambers, I think what God is saying is say, hey, know the purpose for your life, and what is the purpose of our life? To know God and to make Him known. To know God to go deeper in your relationship with God, to have a hunger for God, and, and then just to share that with others. Hey, this is what God's doing in my life. Hey, I just wanna tell you. And when you start to listen for cues when you're with people and they're at work or your neighborhood or around and you start to hear, man, things are tough in my marriage. And you don't just go, man, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, things are really hard. And We just had our first child. And it's real. Or I just moved here. I don't have any relationships with anybody yet. You start to go, hey, Why why don't you come to church? Why why don't you come? I want to tell you what God's doing in my life. I want to. I want to tell you what's happening. And and here's how it goes from Jesus and me to Jesus and we. Because when you make that invite, and they kind of go, "Yeah, you know, I don't know about church. You know, I kind of grew up and didn't really get into the church thing. I didn't really know about the whole faith thing." And you're like, "That's cool. That's all right. You know." But if you ever have questions, let me know. And they're like, "Okay, you know, thanks." And then one week they show up. You didn't know they were coming, right? And they come in and they pull in the parking lot and there's people out there waving and they're in these coats and they're like, dude, they got to be freezing, right? And the parking team and that first impression and they're just like out there smiling and, and they go, that's different. Wow. And they come in and there's greeters that are hugging them and saying hello and they're like, whoa. And they take their kids back, preschool or children's students, are like, man, that's amazing. They come in, they hear this music. They're like, that's not like music I knew growing up in church. It's, Unbelievable! They hear the word of God and they're going, something's happening, something's going on. And they go home and they go, I had a Bible. I haven't read this and you know, blow off that dust and let me find that. And then they start to read and then they call you. And they say, hey, can we go to lunch? You go, yeah, we can go to lunch. And they start to unpack their life and you just go, yeah, man, I've been there. You know, I'm telling you, I've been praying for you. I've been thinking about you. See, that's how we lock arms together. One of my favorite stories in Luke chapter five, and there was these guys, right? They had a friend, a friend who was paralyzed. We don't know why he was paralyzed. We don't know if he fell off a ladder at work. We don't know what happened. But they go to their friend and they say, hey, we want to help. They didn't just say, hey, we're so sorry this happened to you. They said, you know what? We're going to take you to Jesus. We're going to take you to Jesus. And so they get their friend and, and they find out Jesus is in town and they're just at this house. And so they take their friend on a stretcher and they go to the house, but the house is packed. They can't even get in. And they didn't go, sorry, dude. We tried, you know, best effort, but back to your old life what do they do they climb up on top of the house and they start digging in through the roof imagine whoever's house that was like what's going on you know but then all of a sudden this they start lowering their friend down in front of Jesus because they know what their friend needs is Jesus Right, what their friend needs is is the love of God. And they said, you know what, you're going to stay like this or Jesus can bring hope and healing, physical, emotional, spiritual healing. And they bring their friend and they low him down in front of Jesus. And the Bible says this in Luke chapter five, it's so powerful. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, (laughs) not just his faith, right? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, get up and take your mat and walk. He healed him. And I just wonder, when Jesus looks at me, where where does he see my faith? Who am I praying for? Who am I encouraging? Am I being a witness? Am I making a difference? Am I having an impact? I mean, the fact is this, one day we're all gonna be in heaven and we're gonna have an incredible worship time. We're gonna have an awesome time. But in heaven, we we don't need to be a witness to anybody, right? We, we, We don't because everybody there is going to be a believer. This is the only time that we get that chance, that opportunity. With our family, with our friends, we get one shot, we get one opportunity. God put you in your workplace for a reason, for a purpose. God put your neighborhood for a reason, for a purpose. God put you in your family for a reason, for a purpose. And it's not just for the meager and meaningless things of this world. See, you and I would make a difference for the glory of God in a world that's in need, in a world that's searching and seeking because there's got to be more to life than winning Super Bowls. Four things I want you to get real quick. If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, number one is this. If we're gonna reach out and take a next step for all of us, one, we must love God enough to do what he says. <laughs> we must love God enough to do what he says. A lot of times we love God enough just so we don't have to go to hell, right? You know, like, that's got baseline, all right, I'm good. Woo, I'll go back to my life. But, but, but when we really love God, we're gonna love people. And, and so just to be able to be people who invest in others, and Jesus gave the disciples the great commission, not the great suggestion, you know. Number two is this, we must love people enough to get involved. We must love people enough to get involved. It's so easy to make life about us, isn't it? I mean, we, we, it's just easy to make life about being comfortable or a bigger car, bigger house, and my comfort, you know, maybe I should get a lake house, maybe I should do this, you know. But when we love people enough to get involved, it goes to a whole different level. Number three is this, we must work together as this church. We're together as this church. That's where we lock arms together. That's why we're building more preschool space. It's not just that we can move kids out of an overcrowded classroom, although that's what we're doing, but we're also allowing other people to come. And so you can invite people and say, hey, come on, we're going to have this amazing space. That's why we launched South Nashville. That's why we're doing a men's breakfast. That's why invite, invest. All of us together. And then number four is this we must allow God to work through our faith so that people will be healed. We must allow God to work through our faith so that people will be healed. Guys, spiritually, emotionally, people need to be healed. People need the Lord. When I was in Brazil, we was talking to a guy, uh, Eduardo, he's a pastor now, young man. And I said, tell me your story. And I started listening to his story. You know, grew up, he didn't have a dad. He said his life was crazy. He was a good soccer player, so he had relationships there. But when he was nine, he got in with the wrong crowd and he started running drugs. He was in a big city, and he's a drug runner at the age of nine. At thirteen, he, him and some friends they started robbing houses. And at night, they would rob and steal houses. At fourteen, he stabbed the guy seventeen times. Fourteen-year-old kid. Fifteen, he was arrested. He was put in prison. He said, well, I was in prison. He didn't hear from anybody for like six months. He was just, he just thought, you know, it's, it's it, it's over, you know, and here's this kid's life at 15 in a Brazilian prison. He said, one day I got a note. They said, Eduardo, wardo. And he thought, it can't be me. It must be somebody else. But no, it was a note from a dad on, when he was playing soccer as a kid and one of the kid's dads asked around and couldn't find out where he was and found out he was in jail and wrote a note and just said, hey, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. And if you ever get out or when you get out, please let me know if I can do anything to help you. Eduardo got out and he went to that guy. And that man, that dad of that other kid took Eduardo to church. And the guy gave his life to Christ. And today, here he is, 25-year-old pastor now. And he's going back into the Brazilian prisons and he's leading these young men to Jesus. This is a guy who at the age of 15 would be on the streets killing people. And today he's leading people to Jesus because one man, one man said, you know what? I miss that kid. What happened to that kid? And I know it's gonna move me out of my comfort zone but I'm gonna send a letter to that prison and just see if there's anything I could do, if there's any way that I could help. And I just think God says to you and to me, he can make life all about you or you can make life all about Christ. And when you and I just get bold and just say, I'm just gonna step out and here I am, Jesus, here I am. I wanna challenge you and encourage you, let's take a next step together. When you came in this morning, you received one of these little packets, I'd love for you to pull that out just for a moment and let's look at this this morning. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna fill this packet out together. We're going to start today talking about reaching out, next week growing up, then next week giving all, and then on the 8th, we're just going to commit together as a church, we, not me anymore, we. What are we going to do? So on the front, you got your next steps. You can put your name and your information there and then reaching out. And it says this, I will commit to spending 2% of my time, seven days over the next 12 months, serving in my community and or around the world. Would you make that commitment? Between now and March... Of 16, would you give 2% of your time? You know, maybe for you, that's just saying, hey, I'm gonna spend time with my family. I wanna start at home. Maybe we're gonna have a devotional together. Maybe for you, it's, it's your Judea, it's local. Maybe it's the PATH Project. Maybe it's ESL. Maybe it's going across the street to your neighbor. Maybe it's saying, hey, would you come over for dinner? I don't know. Maybe it's your Samaria, a different culture, a local mission trip, a national mission trip. Or maybe it's going on a mission trip to the Amazon. (laughs) Or maybe it's going this summer to Moldova to work with orphans. Maybe it's going to South Africa. Like we have a team in three weeks that are going, 18 people from our church. I don't know what it is. On the back, you can kind of see there's some space to fill in. You can make a check. I'm already committed to reaching out. I did this a year ago and I'm renewing that commitment. Or maybe you wanna say, hey, I've already completed it and here's my next step. Or maybe today you say, man, I'm new to this, but God's speaking to me, God's speaking to me. What is it for you? What is it for you? You don't have to know all the books of the Bible. You don't have to be studied in apologetics. Those things are great and wonderful, but you know what it is? It's just saying, I'm gonna love, I'm gonna serve. I wanna give you a minute to respond. I, I really believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us. I, I believe if a name's popped into your head or if a country or a place, I, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. And I wanna just challenge you to write it down. I'm making the next step. You know what? You never stop growing, right? You never stop following. You never just say, hey, I've made it, I've arrived. It's a process, it's a journey. So I wanna give you time just to pray, to think this is you and God. What's he calling? What's your next step? Father God, you're calling us to take a next step. And I pray we would push past the fear, or the concerns, and we would trust. And Father, we would love you so much. We'd love the people around us so much. God, none of us are perfect. We don't have all the answers. But God, you just want us to share our story. And it's an incredible story, Father what you've done in our lives and the grace and the mercy that we've received oh god thank you thank you thank you and there are people who are searching oh and they're wondering and so lord i pray that you would just use us (laughs) that we would be obedient we would love we would trust you said they will know you by your love (laughs) so let us love you let us love those around us let us take a next step thank you God for today thank you for Jesus the redemption and grace and it's in the name of Christ that we pray amen amen I pray that God will move in our hearts I pray that over these next several weeks that the Holy Spirit would speak to us and we would follow and trust and what God's going to do in the seeds that are planted for his name and for his glory at this time, I want to invite our ushers to come forward. It's a chance for us to give back, a chance for us to invest in His kingdom, and, and God's going to take what He's given today. He's going to bless it and multiply it, and use it to impact people right here in our community, but also people around the world. If you have a prayer request, drop that in the basket. We would love to follow up with you. We'd love to pray with you, pray for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you, God. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing. And so, Father, out of the bounty that you've given us, God, we give to impact pastors in the Amazon and precious children that need schools and orphans around the world. And God, use us to bless. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence and for your love. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray and we give. Amen. Amen.
0: everyone. In our Next Step Minute this week, we're talking about reaching out. You'll hear from Angie Jones, who recently took her next step in reaching out internationally by going on a mission trip to Moldova, and locally by volunteering at a women's prison. It
2: was about two years ago. Carl and I were struggling with a really difficult time in our life. Through, he had a job loss, and we, he'd been searching for another job for a long time, and we, we were frustrated and kind of angry with where we were in our life, and we decided to to rededicate ourselves to God and and try to take that next step, and one of the next steps that we felt very strongly about was a mission trip, and the day after he got a new job, the Moldova email came out, and I signed up. It was so much better than I expected. It was exhausting, and it was intense, but I enjoyed every second of it. I enjoyed getting to know another culture getting to work with kids that I didn't, I couldn't speak their language, but I was able to communicate with them in other ways. I'd heard about it for years at church and it made me cry every time I saw it. And to actually see it in person, to be there, to be walking those steps, walking in those orphanages and meeting the kids took it to a different level, a level that I didn't even know I, I needed, but I did. And it has created a whole new facet of my life changed my priorities, changed what's important to me. Now, whenever I look at buying something big, I, I think of it as, oh wow, that's $10,000. That's four trips to Moldova. That's the way you start thinking after you've made a trip like that. You, it's very hard to spend a big chunk of change on something without thinking that oh, that could make a difference somewhere else. After I came back from Moldova, and it was, and then Carl went to the Amazon in May, we were both feeling like we still needed to Do something, find something, find a way to contribute. And mine happened in an unusual way. I had a friend who was teaching at the Tennessee Women's Prison, teaching a biblical ethics class. She kept telling me stories about the things she was experiencing and the ladies she was meeting, and and I just threw out one day, I would love to go to one of your classes with you. After I went, I. I told her, I said, anything you need, anything you tell me, because it was such an, a moving experience for me just to be there with those women. And she said, well, I've had this idea that God has kind of laid on my heart to start some workshops for these ladies that can't get into the, the more higher education program. And she said, I, I think you'd do really well with a an art workshop. If, if you'd like to do it, I've, I'm game and I'm willing to talk to the warden about it. I took the leap and developed a little curriculum for them and started it and it has been just a delight. Every time when I come, when I walk in the door, they are all waiting for me. They're they are waiting in inside this big annex room. They're they're all waiting with big smiles on their face and they, they get all excited when they when I come in I, I feel like I'm a rock star. I feel like I have just entered the stage and it feels like it's where I'm supposed to be. It feels like I'm truly contributing. They're just joyful and hugging and loving and I feel like I come out of there refreshed. feels like somebody has poured just pure love into me by the time I leave there every night. It's not me giving to them, it's them giving to me.